Hello and welcome to a special episode of The Owner's Box. I'm Andy Haynes, of course, and uh, Preston cannot be with us today because we are doing an in-person interview. Uh, I'm super excited to uh, introduce our guest, the new manager at Crawley Town Football Club, Matthew Atherington. Hey, how are you? I'm really good, thanks. Good. Um, how are you finding your first week? Has it been... Yeah, it's been a... It's been a lot. No, it's, it's, it's been a whirlwind, just adapting, obviously, to a new environment, etc. Um, but I've enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it. But it's been, it's been full on. Has it been a hard transition from being a posh to a red? No. No? No. It's been, it's been, that's been an easy enough transition. Um, obviously, it's had some brilliant years at Peter Reunited. But um, no, that transition has not been the, the hardest part of the week. Yeah, I would assume. Mm. Uh, I've actually been to Peterborough. I don't. I don't know if it is it that much more posh than Crawley. Uh, it's just the nickname, I think. It, I don't want to be too harsh on Peterborough. There's um, some brilliant people there, as as um as you'd imagine that I'd say. But he, no, I, some really good people there at that football club who um uh, that will be friends forever. Okay, I've noticed this that football uh, players and managers they they're always very. Um, they're, they know how to answer. It's like you guys have media <laughs> training. Like nobody ever says anything um, negative that you could get caught. I'm not going to. I just can imagine it being in the local papers there because they're quite um, opinionated. So yeah, I can imagine that. I've had to deal with our local papers, mm. so I know how one little bit of information can get you know extrapolated yeah. into a controversy. Uh, had, had you been paying attention to what had been going on at Crawley Town previous to coming here? I had, yeah, I had done, obviously, um, a new young manager had come in at the time. And, yeah, of course, I always keep up to tabs of, of football, in the football league especially. So, yeah, I was. Was it something that you were, like, interested in, like the approach? Or did you, were you sceptical? I mean, obviously, you can say whatever you want yeah, because no, I, I was sceptical and I work for them. <laughs> so you could say whatever you no, want. No, I, um, I was intrigued, probably the word. Obviously... The way the the owners want to do things, mm -hmm. um, and even more so moving forward, intrigued me. Uh, I always had in mind that I wanted this next step in my coaching career to be in, going into first team management. Um, I wasn't solely fixed on that. I, I was adaptable to going into another um, development stroke academy environment to further my um, knowledge or whatever you want to yeah just my skill set but i did feel as though i was ready to get into a first team environment um and and lead it so um yeah i felt it was the time to do it um is it how would you describe your style of of i guess coaching football but like more in the way that you would like the team to play obviously you you've said you're data driven mm. and um you know the we obviously saw the result on last weekend. They played fantastic. Mm. What do you? How would you describe your style of? Um, I don't even know how you describe that. What's the word? Like obviously your style of playing football, but like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm big on, and I said it to the players on Monday, and I'll be completely honest with you. I was nervous, and um, you you you're coming into a new environment with a group of thirty men who are looking to you, and your first words are really important. So. Um, my words to them, and I'll stick by it, and I'll, I'll always coach and manage this way, is I'm going to be high in demand, and, and I'm going to be demanding, and I think the players will testify for that so far in the 
five training sessions we've had up to this date they're, they're demanding but I think support especially players in this day and age and, and the, this generation um, even higher support is more important um, and that and that personal side that humanity side so that, that's the biggest thing for me yes there's a load that goes alongside it in terms of tactical stuff um, the way you want the teams to play etc etc but for me it's dealing with a person I think that's huge and I think that's huge for all coaches moving forward. Now you um, have the unique position as a League Two coach right now that you have a very decorated career. You mm. played for three different Premier League clubs. Yeah. You helped one club go up into the Premier League. Um, you obviously have been at that highest level of football. What's, what's it like when you coach guys at our, at our level who you know what their aspirations are? How, how does it feel to, to coach guys with that dream? I think it's brilliant to coach guys with that dream. We've got some young players here that I'm sure have got aspirations of playing at the highest level and truly believe they can do so. So it's my job, Simon's job, the rest of the coaching staff's job to try and get them as high as possible. And then there's already players within the team that have played at a good level. Joel Lynch is a prime example. He's played in the championship. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's about... Me, it's about guiding them and helping them. That's the biggest thing. Yes, 100% I'm going to be based on how we get on a match day, whether it's a Saturday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday, whenever it is, Friday night. Um, but I do think it goes a long way when you're trying to make people better and, and, and you'll get, you're actually buying into them as a, as a person. That's big for me. Do you, now, there's obviously only 11 spots on the field mm. and then there's a, another couple subs. When you got when you have guys who don't make it on, you know, do you, are you are you open about what that what the what they need to do to get back on your squad or to make that first team? Yeah, transparency is key. Yeah, it's, that's one thing that I didn't always have as a player, and you you can see right through it straight away. If, if a manager is telling you the reason why you're not playing is for um, for the reason that you're a young player and your time will come. For me, that doesn't always wash because if you're a young player and you're good enough, you should be in the team. So for me, it's about that honesty as to where you need to get better, like you just mentioned. I think that's really, really, really important. So yeah, transparency, um, honesty is, is huge. And do you do a lot of stuff to make sure that um, the guys that are not always going to get playing time are going to be felt to be included, in, at least within the family of the team? Yeah, it's really important to involve as many of them as possible in training. It's not always possible to involve every single player because we've got quite a big squad here with the B team. So we've tried to chop that up a little bit at the minute. But as long as they know that if they're performing, they'll get a chance and they'll get a chance to train with their first team. And I quite like that. I just remember myself as a young player looking over at the first team training and thinking, right, what do I need to do to get there? And, and um, sometimes you can, it can be too much too soon. Um, so I think it's really important that um, players are given the tools to, to go, go out there and, and try and get in the first team, but they're also not doing it when they're not ready. And, and I think, again, it comes down to the person and having conversations, consistent conversations that, as to why that's happening. Well, it's funny that you bring up being a young player because if I can grab this off the floor, I have your Wikipedia page here. This is... I didn't mean to print it this large, but this is how large it is. You started playing, you, you made your first, uh, first team at age 
15 and a half. Yes, correct. I was still doing my GCSEs at school. Um, and the manager then at the time, Barry Fry, still involved in the game now. Um, really colourful character, good man. Um, I had to ask the head teacher's permission for me to play. It's the last game of the season against Brentford away. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm still to this day Peter United's youngest ever player. That's cr I can't imagine having that kind of responsibility. What what was going through your head? I mean, it just yeah. were you the most popular kid at school? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was national newspapers coming in in, in the classroom. Um, it got nationwide press. And do you know what? At that time in my life, I was so fearless. It didn't really affect me. I was so driven to reach my goal of being a, a professional footballer and a, a professional footballer for a, a number of years that that didn't phase me at all. It really didn't. So I ended up playing in the game. I played against uh, an old right back, uh, or an older, should I say, right back called uh, Brian Statham, who had a really distinguished career himself, but he was coming towards the end of his career. And um, yeah, played really well. Again, no fear. I nutmegged him within the first 10 minutes and he told me, if you do that again, I'm gonna break your legs. So that was a bit <laughs> of a bat hit in the fire. Um, so yeah, a brilliant experience. Um, and from that point onwards, I was always in and around the first team and went on to play 49 games, I believe, for Peterborough and ended up getting a move to, to Tottenham after that. Now, um, you obviously started Peterborough. Peterborough was in League One when you started? League Two. They were in League Two, League okay. League Two, yeah. Um, you're, you're at a League Two team now, but yeah. you played the majority of your career for uh, Premier League teams. Yeah. I think now we see the Premier League playing quite a nuanced style of football. It's very, um, I would say it's almost night and day between um, 90s style mm -hmm. Premier League. Yeah. What do you think the big, biggest difference is now between uh, League Two and Premier League? Because like, as a, as a very outside, you know, yeah. American, didn't play football at that yeah. level, it seems like uh, it's a much more uh, physical and it's a much more in the air kind of style of play in the lower leagues. Yeah, I would agree. I think, um, especially in League One and League Two, you get very few teams that are possession-based teams. Who like, to, you know, like this this weekend, for example, Swindon are probably one of a handful of teams in the league that actually want to get the ball down and play. Um, whereas the majority of teams in the Premier League do. Um, and the biggest thing for me is the athleticism within within the players. You know, um, I remember playing against players like Carl Walker when he was coming through. He's now obviously playing right back for England, um, and he was just an absolute specimen of a of a footballer. And there's, I think, nearly every player now w within the Premier League is more or less like that, give or take a few. So th that's probably the biggest thing. Yes, technical ability, tactical ability, but the the, f the physicality of these players, what they can do, uh, the the way they can sprint from from zero to whatever. Um, so quickly is, is really, really impressive. And it's probably the biggest thing for me that I had to adjust to when I, and it's even, it's enhanced even further now, but I remember playing against the Invincibles of Arsenal at Highbury for, for Spurs as a 19-year-old, 18-year-old, and I was way off it compared to those boys. You know, Henri Vieira, Gilberto Silva, players like that, is, they were just, you know, you're next to them in the tunnel and you're looking up at them and they're just absolutely, specimens of, of a human being so yeah that, that would and I think like I said it's gone even further now in terms of the athleticism the players have got it's, it's frightening yeah I I was actually watching your highlight reel the other day right 
And I saw that when you were at West Ham, you scored on Arsenal during an FA Cup game. Yes. And I'm actually a gooner. Okay. And I wanted to know if you wanted to take this chance to apologize to me. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. But they, they annihilated me and um, humiliated me enough times that, especially when I was at Tottenham, um, yeah, that they had some team back in, back in that time. Yeah. I was a little, I, I read uh, Hornby's Fever Pitch when I was like 21. So I'm late to the game as an English person would be, but you know, a little more recent than the yeah. Americans. Yeah. Um, now, you were talking about with Swindon last week, we had this, I, I thought it was probably one of the best games I've watched. I've watched, I don't know, half the, half the games in person and the rest of them on iFollow. And um, it was just, it was such a beautiful game because it was possession-based, it was on the ground, you saw some real uh, technical football happening. As a coach, if you go up against somebody who's playing a really aggressive kind of what people in the media might call anti-football, are you going to say something down the line to him? In terms of the coach? Are you going to say, like, are you going to make a comment to him? Are you going to lean down and go, like, do your boys not know how to dribble? You know, something like uh, that. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm one of them people that are each of their own. If that's the way they want to play the game, then uh, uh, let them get on with it. it, it, it for me... Um, not everybody sees the game the same way. I've been coaching long enough now to realise that. People see it differently. I see it differently to a lot of people. Um, so everyone's got an opinion on the game. That's what makes the game what it is, especially supporters, media, uh, and coaches and players the same. So it doesn't really bother me. I, I, don't get me wrong. I thought Swindon were a really good team. Um, maybe spoke to the manager at the end, end of the game. I'm not speaking that term. He, he's a little bit frustrated that at the other, at top end of the pitch that they're not scoring enough goals. But in terms of up until that point, they were, they were really good on the eye and really nice on the eye. But I thought we had a game plan that, that stifled that somewhat. So that's what I was pleased with with the players. It was good. It was, um, yeah. And in time, I think we'll get even better on the ball as well. So that, that's where we need to get to. But like I said, we've only had five training sessions at the minute. But um, yeah, I thought the players were brilliant. It was a good game. And uh, especially second half, they really, really stepped it up. Now, um Speaking of, you are quite reserved, might I say. I hope that's okay. You're, you're, no, I know that, yeah. You're kind of a... Have. But I have here... Let me find it. You got a red card. Yeah. Where was it? Hold on, I'm going to find it. Okay, you got a red card um, in, in, the, in your fifth game playing for Stoke. Mm. You kicked Danny Collins. Yeah. Was that personal? It wasn't personal. We well, actually played with Danny. He, he, Stoke signed him uh, further down the line, believe it or not, and he's a good lad. But I remember we were losing the game, I believe. Or oh, were we? Might have been drawing. Um, and we were breaking away from a corner, and we had a two-on-one, and I was making it a three-on-one. I was pretty quick, believe it or not, back in the day. And, I saw um, the highlight reel. Yeah, I believe okay, you. Thank you. And, um, yeah, he pulled me back. He just literally yanked my shirt so I couldn't go no further. And a initial reaction albeit a poor one that cost my team so I think we ended up losing the game um, I, swi I, you, I swiped his legs I think you tied actually. Oh, did we? but you were probably we going to win yeah. yeah maybe we were winning and we ended up drawing yes oh wait no no you lost 2-0 to right. Sunderland yeah. sorry about That's, that okay yeah so yeah that wasn't that wasn't <laughs> the um, my finest moment yeah I swiped his legs the referee was right behind me um, so not the, the brightest thing to do and um, 
I think I only got sent off twice, and yeah, that was the other one was not for putting the ball in the in the quadrant from a corner against Norwich away. I think it was your you that one was his second yellow card, right? What the Sunderland one? No, the other one. Oh yes, it was. Yeah, Norwich one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that that up the ball was actually where it should be. The Norwich fans were winding the ref up, and the ref ended up uh, taking the bait and, and giving me a second yellow card. Ugh. Yeah. Um. So you've played all over England. Um, mm. You've probably played over Europe. You you had a couple caps for the uh, um, international under twenty one team. Uh, yeah. Where is like, is there a stadium or pitch that you just absolutely dread going to? I mean, I would say my, my, my easiest guess from what I've experienced this year, Grimsby. Seems like a really hard place to go play football. <laughs> In terms of League Two or uh, anywhere? Just your experience, yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, God. I can't really think... Only because I played there, and it wasn't a place that I dreaded. The Britannia for Stoke City, I love playing there, but every other team we played against hated it. Um, but in terms of, of me, I can't really think of one off the top of my head. Just talking from a Premier League perspective, I hated going to um, Stamford Bridge because we always got beat, Chelsea. and and. Here we go, I got one. Rotherham United, the old Rotherham United ground. Um, we got changed in port cabins um, and it was a bit of a bit of a dive. It would probably be the one that stands out in terms of lower leagues, but um, That would be a like a, a outhouse? Yeah. So literally um, some portable port cabins would be put outside the stadium. Um, and that's where you get changed and the pitch was on a hill and yeah, it wasn't a great uh, was it Millmore? Is that what it used to be yeah. called, I think? Yeah, they've got a new stadium now, which is, not, which is much better. You've got, I mean, like, for how kind of, like, um, reserved you are, kind of humble, things like that, you have a very decorated career. I mean, you, you really did, did quite a bit. What would you say would be the highlight of, you know? Um, obviously, making my debut at 15 is quite big. Playing for England in the... FIFA World, uh, Youth World Cup for the under-20s with players like Ashley Cole, etc. Um, in Nigeria, which was an experience, was, was an unbelievable experience, actually. And then in terms of club career, it probably has to be, one, the playoff um, final with West Ham, um, getting promoted to the Premier League. Um, FA Cup semi-final with Stoke winning 5-0, getting man of the match is a definite highlight. And two FA Cup finals, albeit we lost both of them. One says Liverpool and Steven Gerrard 4-3, oh sorry, on penalties. And then the other one to Man City and Yaya Torre 1-0. So they'd probably be the highlights um, as a boy, really cliche, but it was the truth because that's all I watched football was football when I was a kid is a dream of playing an FA Cup final and I played in two and scored an FA Cup semi-final. So they would be the highlights. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, I think that year you won the, the Hammer of the Year. I did, yeah. Again, quite a prestigious award. Players like Paolo Di Canio, etc., Billy Bonds, Trevor Brooking have won that. Um, yeah, I had some brilliant times at West Ham. It's a brilliant football club. It's yeah. a really, really good football club and uh, proper fan base. Really some of the most dedicated fans. Yeah, yeah, really good, really good. And um, 
an, an amazing stadium in, in the bowling as well. Really, uh, under the lights, special atmospheres. Um, now, you near the end of your career, you had a chance to maybe go to Millwall. Mm -hmm. You were trialing for Millwall. Mm -hmm. They offered you a career or a, a contract, yeah. and you said, "I think I'm going to retire." Yeah. What? What is? What's going through your head at that point? Is that a place of like, you know, I've done this, or is it? Is there something? I mean, obviously, it's bittersweet. Yeah, it, loads of things. I'll, I'll never forget it. Um, I was shrugging my back. I had a micro fracture in one of my vertebrae. It's called a spondylolisthesis, where it was gradually getting worse and worse and becoming more and more inflamed. So anytime I did any strenuous activity and obviously put load through my lower back, the rest of my body my, my muscles were trying to compensate from that little microfracture. And it was becoming more and more of a problem. I did yoga, Pilates, all the recovery I could do, but it was, it was getting sore. But I, I could have played on. My wife will tell you I could definitely have played on because she wasn't happy that I retired. Um, and I probably could have played lower league football, if I'm being honest. I probably could have got away with playing in the championship, but definitely played League One or League Two. The reason I didn't, firstly, I hate rejection. And that goes reasons why in the past. I hate rejection because, um, and I got that from Stoke, and that was hard to take. So that was one reason. And the second reason was my back. So we, I trained with Millwall for two days solid, stayed up in, stayed in South London um, overnight. And then I got out of the car and it was about a two hour journey home. I got caught in loads of traffic around the Blackwall Tunnel. And I went to get out of the car and I literally couldn't get myself out of the car. My back had just completely locked up. So I thought, this is, and I've been feeling like that for about six months. And I thought, I'm sick of feeling this way. So I just made a snap judgment there and then. My wife wasn't happy about it and said, just you know, hold your horses a little bit. But me being me, that was it. And I, and I made the call. Could I have played a little bit longer? Maybe, but would I have enjoyed it because of my back? I'm not sure. And I wasn't the player that I was previously. So um, I'll probably still say it was the right decision, but my wife will definitely say it wasn't. Um, you wouldn't believe this, but I actually have spondylolisthesis oh, as well. Okay. I got it from skiing. Right. Um, I was a competitive skier when I was a teenager, and then right. I just did no uh, health discipline, like strengthening and yeah, all that. Yeah, I know, yeah. So both my knees are old and my back is broken. <laughs> um, I had one more question about your career. What was the most intimidating matchup you ever had, like one-on-one? -on -one you know, like obviously Danny Collins, is that yeah, what we said? Danny Collins, yeah. yeah. Like that's, he, he said, he, you know, or no, not Danny Collins. Who said they were going to break your leg? Kevin Muscat. Kevin Muscat. Yeah. Who, what would be like one where you were just like, I'm, I'm running towards this guy and I know, you know, that I'm absolutely going to get annihilated. He was one of them, Kevin Muscat. That was when it, for Millwall, I'm running at him and he's saying, I'm going to break your legs, I'm going to break your legs. Like, and he's thinking, jeez, I think he had every intention of doing it. And if you look at the, when he was at, I think he did a tackle on Robbie Keane or someone when he was at Wolves and it was just outrageous. Um, so he would definitely be up there. In terms of anyone else, in a, not in an intimidating way, and I had one game where I finally got the better of him, but in terms of I know I'm not going to get past this man today, it would have been Gary Neville. Yeah. He was just a brilliant defender. Um, and he knew what you were going to do before you did it. 
or he did for me anyway, probably says something about my ability, but he, um, yeah, he was very, very good. I had one game where I got the better of him and he should have got sent off, but apart from that, whenever, whenever I played Man United and he was right back, he was, um, so he intimidated me in a, in a different way in the sense that am I going to get the better of this man today? So he would, he would definitely be one. So obviously you're coming into Crawley and it's been a bit of a tumultuous year. Mm. Uh, we've, we've obviously, um, the ownership group um, being very unorthodox, non-traditional, also probably learning what it takes to actually run a football club while they're running a football club, which isn't ideal, obviously. But um, for fans, what do you, what would you say to kind of assuage fears as far as like, you know, because obviously they want to try some different stuff. Are you worried at all about it? Or do you take it at all like, you know, the football is going to come first? Yeah, no, I'm not worried about it. No. I, I, don't, I think in general, everyone's got a perception of the way football clubs should be run. Um, football clubs or their team should play dependent on the environment, dependent on the culture of the town, the city, whatever that is. Um, but I, I just think in this country, and I'm probably a little bit, I've been guilty of it. I'm not so much now. I've definitely not the last few years since I've been coaching. But when I was younger, probably, I think in this country, we're, we're um, resistant to change and to thinking differently. Uh, and I don't think there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. And I think it, you know, it doesn't, it can't be all in straight away in terms, but it, it can be, it can be um, evolved 100%. And I think it's the way football's going in terms of clubs or the most successful clubs are doing different things, whether it be, and this is now two, three years down the line, it's old news, but set, set piece coaches, throwing coaches, um, et cetera, et cetera. And there'll be more and more in the future. There will be. And it's just who gets in first and, and starts the ball rolling, then it snowballs from there. Um, and, and I think to get ahead now, so competitive football in terms of throughout the leagues, throughout the pyramid, that you have to think differently. You have to think out of the box. Because I think if you, if you do the same things every single time, the same things you've been doing year, year upon year upon year upon year, then you're not going to get to where you want to get to. And I know where the, the owners want to get to eventually. Um, and you have to think that way to get that, to, to get to that point. And yes, it will take time, but um, I don't think there's anything wrong with it whatsoever. In fact, I, I think it should be embraced. I do wonder, is it, is it hard with how the media has created this kind of, just this nonstop information kind of like you can find out what's happening with your club, with your favorite player, with the management 24-7, and people seem to react in a different way now. Mm. You know, they, they hear one little thing about a player or they hear one little thing about a coach or anything, and they just all of a sudden it's, you know, the floodgates are open and there's the, the hate is being spewed. Do you think that that affects the team? Do you think it affects you as a coach? Uh, I think, again, it's an acceptance of where we are right now. So you, you can't change it. You cannot change it. It'd be impossible to change it. So why worry about it would be my stance on it. What 
If I go into your car right now and I turn it on, mm -hmm. what will be playing? If it's, it, it could include what's on your iPad, or you know, what, what yeah. would start playing first? I actually, at the minute, I've got some like, uh, it's like calming music, <laughs> weirdly. Because there's, there's been a lot that's going on this week and my mind's racing at a million miles per hour. So <clears throat> my wife's friend sent some, it's, it's really recent songs, but played in a little bit of a mellower rhythm. So I quite like that. I actually, I, I listen to calming music as well because um, I'm anxious on planes. So I have to listen to, um, guitar covers of yeah, pop right. songs. Yeah. So I'll share that with you. I'll send I'll you that, yeah, that. I'll too. Favorite dessert, favorite treat, cheat food. <sighs> treat, anything chocolate. Me and my kids are chocoholics, so um, we, have to, we have to ration the chocolate within the house. Like definitely um, dairy milk, biscuits, stuff like that. There's the bends, chocolate bends, love them. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Okay, is it a is it an intricate coffee or like black a, americano? Black americano. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's serious. Mm. <laughs> you got? Like, do you know you have a very like um, rugged kind? Of, like I could see you like on like a like a big Irish cliff. You know, like a, a oh, heavy. Really? Yeah, you seem like you you would endure. Does that make sense? Yeah, hardened. You mean hardened? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll take that as a compliment. I mean, I mean it as a compliment. <laughs> I'm a soft man, so right, you know. Okay. And I, you know, I'm only like a year younger than you. Okay. So I'm, I'm saying that as someone, like I look up to you as oh, an elder. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and America, yes or no? As in? Do you like it? I'm kidding. Uh, where would you like to go if you were going to go to America? I've only ever been to the East Coast, but Simon keeps telling me about the West Coast and the Gulf there is meant to be sensational. So that... Peninsula or West Coast of Pebble, Cypress Point, those kind of places. Um, I think they call it the Monterey Peninsula. I think you're right, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's meant to be special, so hopefully me and Simon will have a little trip there sometime soon. Down by Preston's house is also good. You should okay. tell him you need to see him in person. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, and then what about, um, did, did you ever consider the MLS? Was that ever in your no, playbook? No, we played the MLS All-Stars though when I was at West Ham in a pre-season friendly. I think we got beat, it's when David Beckham played um, at Toronto. Played, oh wow. Yeah, um, but we played, we had, I went there with Stoke City on pre-season, played, played Columbus Crew, we played uh, someone else, I can't remember. We played three or four teams, yeah. Standard was good, I was impressed. Do you think the Americans get a bad rap? Just because they call it soccer? Do I think they get it? I think that the reputation's really strong at the minute in terms of in terms of football. Yeah, I don't think us English folk will ever be calling it soccer anytime soon. Um, but I, the reason you call it soccer is because football's American football. It's very confusing. Mm. And when I'm in the US and I say football, I'm judged as pretentious. Okay. And then when I'm here and I say soccer, I have to apologize to everybody. Right. So. It's quite, yeah. quite confusing. Yeah. Um, well, thank you, Matthew Etherington, uh, for joining us on the Owner's Box. We really appreciate it. Um, good luck on Friday against Hartlepool. I'm really excited to see what happens this year. And from everybody at Wagme, we're really glad you're here as well. Thank you very much. Cheers. Let's shake on it. Thank you. All right, cool. Thanks, mate.